We shall now turn to the psalm that we read, Psalm 88. This is, as you will see from the title, a song or a psalm indicating that it is one uh, to be used in singing before God. This is not a worldly song. It is a deeply spiritual song or psalm. And yet, when we read through its contents, it is one of the most solemn, if not the most, in the whole of the psalms. And uh, while there are various psalms that we hear the author lamenting in, we hear him sometimes groaning in sorrow and in grief. And yet, we see usually when this is the case, by the time we reach the end of the psalm that may begin in a state of grief and sorrow and pain and anguish, it will end in praise. For example, if you go back in the book of the Psalms, we see there's lots of examples of it, but for example, in Psalm 6, the psalmist begins in verse 1, O Lord, rebuke me not in thine anger, neither chasten me in thy hot displeasure. Have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I am weak, and so on. But then it ends in verse 9, The Lord hath heard my supplication. The Lord will receive my prayer. And it ends, you see, with this note of confidence in God. Again, in the uh, Psalm 7 that follows it, the psalmist begins, O Lord, my God, in thee do I put my trust. Save me from all them that persecute me and deliver me, lest he tear my soul like a lion, and so on. And here is the psalmist describing his state and his condition as one in which he's being persecuted, he's suffering, he's being afflicted. But then when we come to verse 17, as he concludes, I will praise the Lord according to his righteousness and will sing praise to the name of the Lord Most High. And we could go through many of the Psalms and you would find this is uh, the way in which the psalmist speaks. Uh, one other in uh, Psalm 13. Look at the lament of the psalmist. How long wilt thou forget me, O Lord, forever? How long wilt thou hide thy face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul? How long shall mine enemy be exalted over me? And there's the psalmist, sorely, sorely tried, thinking, I'm never going to find any relief whatever. But then look at how he ends the psalm. I will sing unto the Lord, because he hath dealt bountifully with me. And there are many psalms like this. But this Psalm 88 is peculiar, not only because of how it begins, but because of how it ends. Look at the very last word of this psalm. Darkness. Lover and friend hast thou put far from me, 
and mine acquaintance into darkness. And in the original, it is simply mine acquaintance, darkness. It's as though he's just dwelling in darkness. He can't find light. He is just dwelling, as it were, in darkness from which there is no relief. And so obviously this psalm is the afflicted believer psalm. And in it, I believe, we see two things in particular, the suffering saint and the suffering saviour. While this psalm, generally speaking, isn't referred to as a messianic psalm, it is, in my opinion, a very messianic psalm. There are certain things spoken of in the experience of the author that can only apply, I believe, to the Redeemer himself. And so we keep that in mind as we uh, go through this psalm. Obviously, it's a very deep psalm, and uh, it is a psalm that keeps us through the things the psalmist tells us on the very edge of life as it were itself. It's as though he's hovering between life and death. Uh, This is the state of his mind. This is how he's feeling as he writes these words. And this is a psalm that I believe has much to teach us regarding the relationship between our physical state and our mental state and our spiritual state. They're all linked, and you can see it here in this psalm in particular. Because of his physical condition, the psalmist is affected mentally, and because of this, it affects him spiritually. And sometimes it's very easy to forget that, and we think, wow, well, there's someone and they're they're sick in body. But they should be thankful they're not troubled in mind, and it won't affect them spiritually. It might even do them good. And we don't sometimes take into account how, because of the way God has created us, And the way all our being is formed in union, we don't always appreciate that if someone is ill physically, it may affect them mentally, and that kind of a condition can have an impact on that individual spiritually. But let's look at the psalm here. It is the experience of the soul, and particularly in secret, the psalmist, look at what he says in verse 3 of this psalm, for my soul is full of troubles. Just stop for a moment to think, for my soul is full of troubles. Not one little trouble, but it's full of troubles. 
It's weighed down with troubles. It's overcome with troubles. But these are particularly inward troubles. For my soul is full of troubles, and my life draweth nigh unto the grave. And you can see the extent of the troubles when the psalmist, for example, in verse 6 says, Thou hast led me in the lowest pit, in darkness, in the deeps. And the psalmist doesn't think, well, this is just something that has happened. He doesn't imagine, well, some people do experience something like this. He says, thou, he's addressing God, thou hast led me in the lowest pit. We have a tendency to think, you see, that God, because of his love for his people, never does anything like that. Doesn't he exalt them? Doesn't he bless them? Doesn't he encourage them? Doesn't he comfort them? He doesn't lay them low. But this is what the psalmist says here. Thou hast led me in the lowest pit, in darkness. Thou hast put me in this darkness. However mysterious it might be, and however much the psalmist may not understand it, he does recognize this. It's not accidental. It's the doing of the Lord. And thou hast put me in the deeps. It's like as though he's in the depths of the ocean with a storm raging out over him. And then in verse 7 he says, Thy wrath lieth hard upon me, and thou hast afflicted me with all thy waves. Thou hast done it. Thou hast afflicted me with all thy waves. It's as though the waves of the ocean are coming in, uh, lashing against the rocks, but instead they're lashing against him. And it's as though he's been battered and afflicted, and there's absolutely no escape from it. But you will see the effect that it has upon him. Verse 4. I am counted with them that go down into the pit. I am as a man that hath no strength. What does he mean? I'm exhausted. I am just without strength. I can do no more. I can go no further. I am utterly exhausted. And so much so that I am feeling I'm going down to the pit. I'm going down into the grave. Uh, And uh, the psalmist says in verse 5, Free among the dead like the slain that lie in the grave. He's thinking of a, a scene in a battlefield where those who have been at war, they've been wounded, they've been killed, whatever, Life has come to an end. The battle is over. They're finished with it. And that's what the psalmist is saying. Uh, As the dead then are forgotten. They're not alive anymore. They're forgotten. So it seems he feels even God has forgotten me. That's That's how he's speaking. And then you will see that 
because of his condition, uh, physically, it affects him mentally, psychologically. He says in verse 9, Mine eye mourneth by reason of affliction. Lord, I have called dearly upon thee. I have stretched out my hands unto thee. It's as though all he can now do, because he has said earlier in the psalm, I am as a man that hath no strength. What is a little infant that hasn't got any strength do? It stretches out its hands to the parent. It's a language of its own. The child may not be able to speak very fluently and may not be able to express the needs that he feels or whatever, but the stretching out of the hands is a language of its own. It speaks. The holding out of the hands speaks to the mother. She knows what it means. She knows what the child wants. And that's what the psalmist is saying here is how he is dealing with God. He can do nothing else but just simply stretch out his hands in his helplessness and look to God to deliver him and to provide for him. You will see here that the afflictions of the psalmist, as we said, they're exhausting, but they're also extensive. As we said, they affect mind, body, soul. This is why he says, my soul is full of troubles. And what he means is that his mind is going over a multitude of thoughts, tormenting thoughts, afflicting thoughts, disturbing thoughts. He knows no peace. He cannot find peace. His soul is in such trouble. And you see, the only one then that the psalmist can possibly talk to in this state is God. There's no one else who's going to understand him. There's no one else can penetrate into the deeps, uh, 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 the depths of his soul's experience. You and I might think, well, don't believers have similar experiences? Aren't they able to relate to one another and understand one another? That is sometimes the case, but oftentimes it's not the case. And here's the psalmist. My soul is full of troubles because there's no one and no place I can go to find relief but to God himself. And that's what he does. And he says here, uh, he's telling God uh, because he can't understand what God is actually doing. In verse, you go down later in the psalm, And the psalm is asking questions. The psalmist is saying, verse 14, Lord, why castest thou off my soul? What a question. Addressing God and saying, why castest thou off my soul? My soul is full of troubles. My soul is overwhelmed with troubles. 
And it's as though God has cast me off and pays no attention. He just leaves me with my soul full of troubles. That's what the psalmist is talking about. And sometimes even uh, some of the Lord's people can go as low as that. And they can have such doubts and such fears that they really do question and they really do think, God has cast off my soul. He has cast me away. My soul is overwhelmed with troubles and God is not giving me any relief. How can he care for me? How can he love me? How can he be concerned about me? And the psalmist, you see, is saying, Lord, why castest thou off my soul? Why hidest thou thy face from me? We might think, and rightly so, that it is a very unwise thing to be questioning God and to be questioning the wisdom of God, the one who knows the end from the beginning and the one who does all things well. But here's the psalmist wanting to know why. Why is this happening? Why is my soul In such darkness, why is my soul so troubled, so afflicted? Why is it that God will give me no relief? Maybe you've thought like that yourself at times. But this is the psalmist's experience. This is a real experience. This is not made up. This is a real experience. This is a true experience that a child of God can actually experience. And so, therefore, we have to be very careful because we've all different personalities, we've all different temperaments, we've all different attitudes as to how we deal with things and so on. And we might think to ourselves, well, if that brother had more faith in God, he would be less depressed. If that sister would trust the word of God more, she wouldn't feel she was in such darkness. If they would just go to the word of God and if they would have a fresh look at God, everything would change. The clouds would part and the sun would come through. But here's the psalmist and he's actually talking to God. And he's saying, why have you done this? What does he say earlier in the psalm? Thou hast led me in the lowest pit in darkness in the deeps. Thy wrath lieth hard upon me, and thou hast afflicted me with all thy waves. Thou hast put away mine acquaintance far from me. Thou hast made me an abomination unto them, and so on. But why? Why? That's the problem with the psalmist. He's asking questions, wondering, well, yes, I can see God's doing this, but why? What's the purpose in it? Why would he leave me like this? Why would he put me through all this? That's what the psalmist is concerned about. And this is one of the things 
that we have to understand when we think of how afflicted sometimes some of the Lord's dearest people are. And we would be thinking to ourselves, well, if I was in his position, I would turn to the word of God and draw some comfort from it. Or if I had her troubles and her trials, well, I would go to the word of God and I would talk it over with some other sympathetic believer and I would get some encouragement. But there are things that the child of God will experience that they can only talk to God about. And the soul's troubles are something that sometimes God alone can understand. And this is why the psalmist talks as he does here in this psalm. You can see that in the psalm he's speaking of the grave again and again. It seems he can't get it out of his vision. He doesn't think he's going to survive. He surely believes he's going to perish. And yet, even in the midst of it, he still stretches out his hands to God. That's the amazing thing. He may feel that God has abandoned him, but he cannot give up on God. And sometimes the Lord will test his people, and he will put them through the depths and into the depths. How far will they trust him and rest upon him? And that's what the psalmist is doing here. He's believing, I can't survive. I'm going to perish. I'm in such darkness. I'm in the deeps. My soul is full of troubles. There's no rest day or night. You see how he's crying to God day and night. And yet, this is the evidence of grace. He cannot do other than still stretch out his hands to an afflicting God. That's the proof of grace in the soul. And you will see in the psalm, in the verse 14, as he asks, why castest thou off my soul? Why hidest thou thy face from me? That's the most awful experience the psalmist could think of. God won't even look at him, he thinks. God won't even look toward him. And he says in verse 15, I am afflicted. And ready to die from my youth up while I suffer, listen, thy terrors, I am distracted. I am in my mind distracted. I don't know what to think. I don't know what to do. I'm distracted. And uh, I have had reason and different occasions over the years to visit some of the Lord's people afflicted mentally, visit them in institutions. And it's a sad sight to see someone that would have been sitting in the pew 
singing the praise of God, joining with the worship of God, and to see them so disturbed in their minds that they're distracted, they're mixed up, they're whatever. This is what the psalmist says. That's why I say there's there's this link that we have to see between the physical and the mental and the spiritual. Because of the psalmist's physical afflictions and because he can't get relief from them and it's disturbing his mind to the point where he's distracted. This psalm is a psalm that we should read and think about when we take it upon ourselves to try to help or encourage some of the Lord's afflicted people. The psalmist comes to the end of the psalm and he says, Lover and friend, hast thou put far from me? It's as though God has put me into isolation. He's taken away even my friends and mine acquaintance, and I'm in darkness. But you will see that the psalmist is still inquiring, although he's distracted in his mind, although he's questioning why is God doing what he's doing. You have here questions that God answers. He gives the answer to them in the life and in the experience of his own beloved son. Here's the psalmist, and he's saying that he's living, as it were, in the very edge of the grave. It's as though he's not going to be able to escape from it. But then he asks God, verse 10, Wilt thou show wonders to the dead? I'm going to die. Wilt thou show wonders to the dead? Shall the dead arise and praise thee? It's as though the psalmist is saying, Well, if I perish, if I die, that'll be the end of my praise for God. And unless God is able to raise a man from the dead, I will have no reason to praise him. Verse 11, Shall thy loving kindness be declared in the grave. The grave is the place where we're all going eventually. And we consider death to be the last enemy. And uh, when Jesus Christ died and rose again, he conquered death. He took hold of death. He took death as his servant, as his slave. And this is why we say this psalm is a messianic psalm because there are things in it that can only apply to the Savior in in reality. And the question is, shall thy loving kindness be declared in the grave or thy faithfulness in destruction? Doesn't death and the grave destroy everything? This is what the psalmist is thinking, and this is what he's talking to God about. And is there any answer to these questions? Will God indeed 
show wonders to the dead. Will God indeed raise the dead for his praise? Will God indeed show loving kindness in the grave? Will he indeed show his faithfulness in the destruction of death? Well, the answer to those questions comes in the life and the death and the experience of the Savior himself. He died and he rose again. He lay under the power, the destructive power of death, the corrupting power of death, but he saw no corruption. These questions of the psalmist are answered in the experience of the Savior himself. But notice what he's saying here in verse 15. I am afflicted and ready to die from my youth up. What does the prophet Isaiah tell us about this Savior that we trust in and we believe in and we rest upon? What does Isaiah say? Here's the psalmist saying, I am afflicted and ready to die from my youth up. My life is one of affliction and one of sorrow and one of grief. My soul is full of troubles because my life has been one of constant unending troubles. And what does the prophet Isaiah call him? The man of sorrows. The man of sorrows. This is his son. You just think of the Savior in the temple, listening to the Levites chanting out this psalm. What do you think would be going through his mind? That depicts me. I've been carrying the burden all my life through. I've been carrying it. I see Golgotha, I see the grave, I see the suffering. Betimes I look at that cup that the Father is going to make me drink. All my life long I cannot escape from the mission that I've been sent to accomplish. He's the man of sorrows and the one who's acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. As the prophet says, surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. And when we come to this psalm, and we have such a description of the kind of sorrows, the extent of them, the depths of them, the width of them, the terrible nature of them, And we think, did a man ever go through that? And we have to conclude, yes, the psalmist, whether it was David or anyone else, this is his experience. But yet the prophet says, he hath borne our griefs and our sorrows. And if this is the experience of one of God's children, what was his experience? When we see the Savior 
going to the temple and teaching the people, when we see him in a boat at the shore teaching the people, when we see him with compassion in the multitudes and he feeds them, when we see him opening the eyes of the blind and doing so much good, it's very, very easy to forget that man. His soul is full of troubles. Behind the joy that he brings to others and his own experience, he cannot for one moment forget why he's here. He cannot for one moment forget what lies before him from his youth. I am afflicted and ready to die from my youth. You think of it. What does youth mean? Young men and young women, that's when they're full of energy, full of strength. That's when they're ambitious and thinking what they're going to do, how they're going to spend their life. And they hope to make a success of life when they're in the days of their youth. Here's one from his youth, and he's speaking of being afflicted and ready to die. In youth, what will they normally be saying? I'm ready to accomplish. I'm ready to achieve. I'm ready to do this. I'm ready to do that. I feel so strong. I feel so well equipped. I'm ready for all kinds of things. What's he saying? I'm ready to die. I'm ready to die. And every day took him nearer to Golgotha. Every day took him nearer to the Garden of Gethsemane. And when he was sweating, as it were, great drops of blood falling down to the ground. An angel had to come and strengthen him because he was saying here, like this psalmist, I am as a man that hath no strength. I am as a man. I'm exhausted. I'm without strength. I am so weakened. I've carried this burden for so long. I've been ready to die From my very youth, it was as though he would be thinking, I've been counting the days. And every day that was passing, it was another day nearer to the day of suffering. And this is a picture of the Savior himself, ready to die, but why? Why would he be ready to die? It was for the sake of his people. Ready to die because he had his eye upon his people. People that had been given to him from eternity and he loved them and he was ready to die and he had every opportunity as he even says in the garden uh, before the Lord. If it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, Not as I will, but as thou wilt. And it is in the darkness of Golgotha, as he cries out, My God, my God, 
Why hast thou forgotten me? The psalmist here in his human experience never plumbed that depths. However low he went, why hast thou forgotten me? Here's the psalmist saying, Why castest thou off my soul? This is the language, undoubtedly, of our Savior. And this is a psalm that presents him in a way that even the Gospels don't present him. And if we read through this psalm and we think, well, this is just a record of the experiences of one of the Lord's afflicted people, yes, it is. And it should teach us how low some, yes, some, of the Lord's dear ones can actually go. But if we read through this psalm, and we don't find the Savior, and we don't see him, then we don't read it aright. Verse 16, Thy fierce wrath goeth over me. Thy terrors have cut me off. That was his experience. And we have to ask, well, why was it all? And the psalmist here is saying, Lord, why castest thou off? What's the reason for it? What's the purpose in it? Why? Well, the Savior could ask the same, but there was an answer to it. Why hast thou forgotten me? Why go I roaring all the day long? It was so that he would, in the grave, bring praise to God in the land of deep forgetfulness. He would redeem his people. He would not die in vain. He would redeem them. He would atone for them. And this is the answer to the question, Wilt thou show wonders to the dead? Shall the dead arise and praise thee? Shall thy loving kindness be declared in the grave? That's where God's loving kindness is really declared. When Christ died, why did he die? For the love of his people. Or thy faithfulness in destruction. God's faithfulness upheld his son until he could say, It is finished. And without that death, we would never know of the wonders of redemption. We'd never experience the wonder of justification. We would never have any hope for time or for eternity in reality. Here's the psalmist asking God a question. Can he show wonders through death and in the grave? Yes, he can. And he shows them through his beloved son. This is a psalm worth reading over and over again. It's the afflicted man's psalm. It is the psalm of the suffering saint, but also the psalm of the suffering Savior. And may God bless its contents to us.